I am very concerned about a social justice issue. We're here again to do a series of skits and then talk about our weeks. About our weeks. About our weeks. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've played, what I've played all week this week. I've played so many games you would not believe. Tell me about what you've played. I'd rather tell you about what I've listened and watched too. Those are also things that I did this week. I listened to things and watched things and played things this week. What is the show we are doing? I'll tell you, but first I suggest you put the kettle on. I'll make a cup of tea. We'll have some fun and lots of laughs in the land of queer and pleasant strangers. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet, and welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that show where two queer trans women talk about their weeks and do silly voices and skits and the such. How are well, you this week, Jane? I'm alright. I'm having some sensory overload issues today. I I know that feeling. I, I'm not like that today, but I had a day like that a couple of days ago. It's never fun, is it? No, it's less than ideal. It's the world's just all loud and overwhelmy sometimes. Yeah. But that's all right because we've Indeed. come we've come over to the quiet corner now where we can just at least until we record the skits just be nice and calm and quiet. Welcome to the quiet corner. To the quiet corner. On this radio is, queer and pleasant strangers. This is queer and pleasant strangers ASMR radio. This is the queer and pleasant strangers nighttime hour. Queer and pleasant up strangers. Next. Talking Ooh. you calmly to sleep. I hear our special guest. Which special guest can you hear? I, I can hear our, our super relaxing uh, guest. And I only have one thing to say to our super relaxing guest. <laughs> yes. Are you meowing to Smudge? <laughs> I was purring at Smudge, but now <laughs> I am meowing. <laughs> that is... That is adorable. Um, I am wearing headphones, so Smudge cannot hear you, but Smudge, uh, Jane says, meow. I said purrs too. Uh, I, I would say the purrs, purrs, but I can't make the purr sounds with my throat, otherwise I would purr. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll put this on specially for Smudge at some other time. Okay, when we've done the edit, I will make sure to play your purrs for Smudge. Anyway, okay, where, do we wanna, to, where do we want to start this week? Uh, I think I should probably look for my notes about what I was going to do. Um, ooh, there's a shopping list. Hmm. Um, uh, we could start with Played, since that's usually our longest one. Yeah, Played. I, I have a surprisingly lot of stuff this week. This this is like a reversal on the last few weeks for us, I think. Mm. Tell us about the things. Tell us, tell us. Uh, I'll tell you about a couple of things I've played this week. I, I'll try not to... Um, one second. Ooh. I will try and like rattle through these because a lot of them like I just played a little bit of and like I don't need to go into ridiculous amounts of depth. Um, That's fair. I finished playing through Kirby Star Allies this week, uh, which I believe I've talked about like some of my earlier impressions on it. Yes. But... Um, so the whole of Kirby Star Allies is just like adorable start to finish. It's not super long and it's not super challenging, hmm. but it is 
very, very adorable and creative. Um, we were on the phone when I was playing through, like, the super secret ult ultimate final boss fight of the game, and a lot of stuff was happening. Um, I, I, I don't remember the last time I played a game that ended on such a dramatic multi-part boss fight series as that did. That seemed to never stop being boss fights for a really long time. Yeah, no, like, that that whole thing was like, oh, here is, like, four different boss fights back-to-back -back that also include, like, a nine-stage boss fight at one point where, like, here's all these different abilities and now you're doing this and now you're doing that and now, now, ah! It, it was quite the experience. Um... But so yeah. when did they introduce Majin Buu to the Kirby universe? <laughs> uh, apparently with Star Allies. But yeah, um, yeah having, having finished that game, there's some nice um, content unlocked when you finish the main campaign. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a huge spoiler to talk about because they're not huge things. Um, you unlock a mode where you can play through without Kirby in your team at all. You pick, yeah. yeah, you pick just some of the uh, the enemies you would have played against to make your team up of, and it's like, hey, try and do it without Kirby if you can. There's also a boss rush mode where you sort of increase the difficulty to increase the rewards you get, and you only yeah. have a set number of healing items across all of the, the boss attempts. Okay, and so, what are the rewards for that? Puzzle pieces that you can make adorable pictures out of and then look at them, and they're really cute, and collect oh, puzzle pieces. It's a really adorable game. Do you get to do the puzzles yourself? Uh, no, it puts the pieces in place, but they're, they're really cute pictures and you get puzzle pieces and, and it's adorable. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that's all I really have to say about Kirby this week is I finished it and it's maybe eight to ten hours of very adorable, not too difficult platforming until it gets quite difficult at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh should I talk about another thing I've played? Because I think you've only got one on your played list this week, haven't you? Um, well, I wrote five down on the list, but oh, you know, we don't ah, have to do. <laughs> that's all right. I I I thought earlier you only had one for some reason, which is why I was like, oh, where do we slot it in? So tell me about something you've played this week. I uh, played. Um, <clears throat> well, I I've been sitting playing a bit of retro stuff. It's been a while. Um, and I, I was sit. I think partly because I'm, I'm doing this show now, I spend more time sitting back in front of my PC again, as opposed to glued to my Switch or a book. Um, so I hit up my uh, Sega Genesis slash Master System collection on Steam. Um, I had a sit down with uh, Sonic One and Two. I still remember how to do the level select cheat after <laughs> probably more than a decade since I last played Sonic One. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I still don't really dig Sonic 1 much. I never did back in the day either. Um, mm. I think Sonic 2 is is prettier and I prefer the level design. And so, so, so I think still think Sonic 3 is my favourite. Um, Sonic 2, excellent. It it did great things with the graphics. Music is also very, very lively and excellent. But I don't think much beats the Starlight Zone for just prettiness. From Sonic One, so it was, it was nice to do a bit of ring collecting and stuff. <laughs> you got anything else? Yeah, I've got a few things. Um, mm -hmm. So I started playing through a game called Last Day of June on the Switch. Mm -hmm. So as I started playing through, 
My intention had been to play the whole game. It's a relatively short indie game. It's one of these very narratively focused things. And I did not complete it because I kept encountering bugs that halted progression and I got quite frustrated with it. So I would imagine so. Yeah, I'll talk about the the positives. Uh, Really nice art style. A lot of like very bright, high contrast colours. The... The art design is quite unique. Uh, all the people have very small, sort of almost like claymation bodies with large, round, very feature-lacking faces. Like, the main yeah. details are, like, the size of the face and the hair, and then, like, the mm-hmm. eyes are just kind of, like, dips in this big sphere. Yeah. It's quite it's quite eye-catching. Um, mm. It does a very good job of telling a story wordlessly, for the most part. Um, okay. It tells a story of sort of love and loss and mm. trying to go back, wishing you could go back and make things, you know, not the way they are. <coughs> and it's quite sad and quite heartbreaking in places, but the big problem I had is that it kept reaching points points where just button prompts, at least on the Switch version, would not work as they were supposed to. Um, oh. There were times where it's like, oh, I'm supposed to do something with this painting. And I'm locked in a room, and I can't leave the room, and this is glowing, clearly this is what I'm meant to interact with. Pressing A, nothing happening, okay. close the game completely, and there's no manual save, it's it's all autosave. Right. So, quit the game entirely, boot it back up, first time this happened, oh good, thank you, uh, the autosave was right where I was. And I know that something had glitched out, because I load back into that room, and now, oh, that glowing painting... I can um, interact with it with A. I just couldn't before because it wouldn't work. Oh no. uh, later, I was like 10 minutes into a scene and this happened again. Like I could clearly see what I was meant to interact with. Yeah. A wasn't letting me interact. Oh. I quit out the game, went back into the game. I'd gone 10 minutes back. Like there hadn't been a checkpoint for about 10 minutes. And oh. because this game is wordless and... It's not pretty, really dialogue to skip. Yeah, it's pretty slow in the way it's paced. <clears throat> yeah. It feels really glacial if you have to replay part of it. Mm. Like, it, it is not a fun game to have to replay ten minutes of. No. And I just kind of got frustrated with the bugs and how they were making me sort of stop, halt... They were just kind of pulling me out of the action. Mm. And I hate to say it stopped me playing, which is a real shame because I was quite enjoying the way that emotion was being conveyed without words. So Mm. I I have Steam code for this and I might try in a couple of weeks when I don't feel quite so much like I'm retreading (laughs) ground I've just done. I might see if the Steam version is any less buggy. But yeah, that's a real shame. I I really enjoyed what I saw of last day of June, but it was just frustrating me. It felt like it was wasting my time. Yeah. What about you? What else have you been playing? Uh, well, back to my uh, my retros. I played uh, <laughs> Alien Storm and Streets of Rage three, largely based on on sort of last week's viewing of uh, the Kim Justice videos mm. of lots of retro stuff. Um, I fancied some, some sort of side-scrolly beat-em-uppy stuff, and I remember really liking Alien Storm. But that game is punishing in single-player. Uh, perhaps it will be another one to add to our list for 
for two-player games at some point. Is, and is, is Streets this, of Rage 2 is great. Is this one of those old games that feels punishing because, like, arcade mentality? Or? Yes, very yeah. much so. Um, is it trying to eat your non-existent coins? Absolutely. Um, where it's a, a console game and they, they, I don't know, never understood why they limited the number of credits you would have to play. Um I, you chew through health so quickly in, in, in that game. So there is a theory as to why they limit the number of credits. It's mm. to make a short game feel longer so that you feel like you're getting more for your money. Because if you run out of credits and have to retry and retry and retry and retry, you get more time out of the same amount of content. Yeah. That's fine, but a lot of things can... Avoiding being hit, especially in single player... Uh, avoiding being hit by th- the number of enemies because it doesn't seem to like limit those numbers based on how many more people uh, are playing, it or doesn't... it scales very yeah. badly. Um, and and so it's quite difficult. But it's it's quite nice that there's different sections in that game. So you've got uh, general like side scrolly beat 'em up, except you've got your your three different characters. You're sort of um, you you you're tall brawny looking guy your um uh, long-haired uh, f- female coded character and the short one <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically golden axe reskinned um with with uh sort of hr geiger style um aliens and and there is a lot of uh, nods in in some of the character design to uh, like alien aliens uh, style aliens um, as well as that, there's sort of weird, almost, um, oh, what's his name? Did Videodrome. Oh. Cronenberg. Yeah. David Cronenberg. There's, there's some almost style of that, the sort of weird, bent out, sort of plasticky looking aliens, some of them. Mm. Um, sort of almost body horror with like lots of different little faces and then these tiny little sort of head bugs that will sort of fly off and, and give you chances to pick up more energy. There's mm. like people that are, are running away from some of the aliens. Some of it's quite, quite interesting little set dressing. And then it'll flip into you'll, you'll walk into a shop or something and you're doing first person shooting up say, a, a TV store, watching all the, the TVs explode while things sort of fly at you in a shooting gallery style. It's, um, and then there's there's running bits, and the boss bosses are weird. <laughs> Very strange. Lot, it's, got, it's got some great characters designed in that game, but um, it is pretty punishing, it, especially in single player. It does sound like one that we need to have a go at together at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've ever played, like, Golden Axe or Golden Axe 2. It's very much yeah. in that style, but more sci-fi. Yeah. And Streets of Rage 2 is just more Streets of Rage. Yeah. But good, yeah. really good. Yeah, it's never a bad thing to have more Streets of Rage. No. I still want to play that. Um, there was a, a, a fan-made version for PC where they put like all of the characters from every <gasps> uh, Streets of Rage. Ooh. I think they improved hit detection and things. It's got all the music, all the levels... I can't remember who made it or what it was called. If, I think it feel like it was Beats of Rage or something like that. If That's... we if we can find it, we will make that a thing to have on our co-op list. Definitely. Hurrah. So that me. What else you played? Uh well I finally got around to playing like a proper amount of Cat Quest. Ooh, so well, uh, Cat Quest, that's that's really heckin' fun. I, I'm a big fan of Cat Quest. Um How far through it are you? So 
I've beaten two of the dragons. Okay. And I'm at, like, level 25 or so. Okay. <laughs> Which, like, I'm guessing is a bit underleveled compared to where I'm supposed to be for that. I don't know. I was just doing lots and lots and lots of quests because I got very stuck into the quests I, at one point. So here's the thing, like, I, I'm sure at some point I will go back and do the quest stuff, but I'm just really enjoying... I'm enjoying running around that world, doing combat while a little bit under-leveled because it... it I'm making the comparison that everyone grumbles because everyone makes this comparison to everything, but... It feels kind of Dark Soulsy <laughs> if you go and fight bosses when you're underleveled for them. So, like, the whole core of, like, if you go and fight bosses when you're underleveled for them, it's a lot of reliance on dodge rolls, healing, oh. and getting enough attacks in to recharge your healing magic. That game has the worst healing magic. Oh, no, uh, well, well, what's so bad about it? It's just piss weak. Like uh, it was the... considering the amount of magical energy you use, you do not. Here's... I do not feel like you get enough HP. Here's out of the that. thing: when I first got it, I totally agree with you. It was the first bit of magic in that game that I just like pumped a bunch of upgrades into, and like once I was getting like let's say two thirds of my health back with the use of it, which okay. took like maybe six or seven upgrades. I spent maybe a thousand gold or so doing. I was basically like. Getting, dodge rolling in, getting in enough hits that I filled up my bar and I was like, if I get hurt now, I can use magic to heal. Mm. Pulling back slightly, doing area of effect magic. Just like this really nice back and forth. And I really enjoy, I like how a lot of the enemies will visually telegraph on the ground, like where their attack is going to be. Mm. And the intensity of the color is like how long you've got before that attack hits in that area. And you've got that sort of circle around them that expands out as they're about to do the thing, especially with the dragons. Oh, exactly. And which is great once you get freeze magic, because then you can <laughs> sort of just slow them down and have at them. Yeah, it's it has a really nice combat system to it, and I know that there's a bunch of quests I could be doing, mm. but I'm honestly just really enjoying the combat and like doing other things while I run around that world beating stuff up, because it's it's some of the most satisfying like 2d real-time combat i've played in a while in that kind of game okay well what i would say then based on that is you might enjoy um finishing the game rush through all the way through the game Mm. beat the last boss and then try mew game plus or mew game yeah um because there are options in there where you can stay at level one all the way through and you Ooh. have to rely on how upgraded your armor and uh, and and stuff is, I, and how good your weapons are. That that's going to be good because, like, I definitely am going to want to just keep enjoying this combat system for mm. a while. So yeah, yeah. that that was and, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And there's also um, nine lives mode, so you <gasps> only have nine lives to get through the whole game. Oh no, that's not for me. <laughs> No? Okay. I, I like having as many lives as I want to go tackle challenges I'm not ready for and just throw yeah. throw myself at them again and again. I think there's like five different uh, modifiers you can put onto Mew Game. I that w- makes it progressively more hard. W- it's one where you can do it naked and have no, no armor whatsoever. <laughs> I am definitely up for some some Mew Game Plus, but uh, hmm. yeah, I, I started playing it and then I promptly spent several hours just 
oh, this feels so good to play and just, just fighting things. Oh. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I am very much. What about you? Have you been playing anything else? I played The Escapists <gasps> too. Ooh, tell us about The Escapists too. It is a sandbox prison escape simulator. Um, you are plonked into these prisons and charged with finding a way to escape. Um, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but I, I seem to be really struggling to find any way out of prison at the moment. Um, my character is very intelligent, very strong and very fast, because I've made the use of the prison facilities to upgrade my character as much as possible. But uh, the, the tutorial sort of says to you, hey, uh, you need to grab this from over here and do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you escape. And it's like, okay. And then it plonks you in sort of the next prison and says, okay, do the thing now. Um, so I'm, I'm wandering around sort of learning the, the rhythm of the prison. Mm. I'm uh, searching other people's cells for equipment that I can use. I've got myself a job, finally. That That's taken quite a while. <laughs> I've maxed out all my skills. Um, I've managed to take the vent out from the ceiling in my cell, but that got me in trouble. So I guess I need to find some way of hiding the fact that I've removed the, the vent in my cell. Mm. I, I put it back so that it wouldn't look damaged, but apparently people noticed. So. <laughs> I don't know. Hee hee. So is, is it a fairly... It sounds like it's a fairly open experience and that it just kind of goes here's the prison work out how you're going to get out pretty much yeah like the the tutorial shows you um okay you do you can move your desk and you can stand on that then you can use something to open the vent once you can get into the vent you you might want to do this or 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 go into this space once you've got into there well now now you could maybe dig a tunnel to freedom (laughs) Um, so you, you dig out and then that, that's pretty much it. And, and that's fine for the tutorial, but that does not explain enough about, you are going to need to craft all of the things. (laughs) Some of those things will be weak. Some of those things will be made out of files and duct tape. (laughs) And you can make better versions of that by using more files and duct tape. Um, you have to. You can create shovels if you want to to dig out of things, but those <laughs> shovels might not be very good. So maybe you'll want to make several of them. Um, and then obviously there's searchlights outside. During the day, people will just snipe you, but at night there's like spotlights. So mm. how you will escape? I am not Andy Dufresne yet. Right, right now you're just like trying to get by day to day in prison. Like I, I'd like to not die. By, by at this point, I'm more likely to be released, having served my time, than actually escaped. <laughs> is is there a long? If you're in that game long enough, will they just release you? I I don't know. It'd be quite it'd be quite nice if you play this for 25 in-game years, you will be released, or at least be up for parole. The escapists. The true way to escape prison is to just be really well behaved and eventually get let out after you've served your time for the crime that you did commit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can do missions for some of the other prisons prisoners. Sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, somebody stole my milk. Go get my milk back." So you have to go and mug somebody <laughs> with a, a a sock with a bar of soap in it or something. <laughs> um, at the moment, I spend most of my time just watching the the 
guards beat the crap out of the, the uh, prisoners or the prisoners beat the crap out of each other and occasionally wander over before the medics get there and steal uh, steal anything out of their pockets. <laughs> I'm glad there's at least entertaining things for you to see within those walls. Well, it's it's quite fun because I've I've made a bunch of people I know as other prisoners, so I'm not in there alone. I've even put you in there with an adorable blue cat cat uh, how, hood on. How have how well behaved have I been in prison? You've been fairly well behaved, but you are desperate for me to get a bottle of milk off of of Colin. I think it is. Oh well, you better get that bottle of milk off Colin then. Okay, <laughs> I will. I will do my very best. Tee hee. What what else you played? What else you played? Uh, so this is going to be a very quick one. Um, over this past week, I've played a little bit of both Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite Ooh. on mobile. So I saw your articles. Yeah, both of these games are like very big games at the moment on PC and consoles. The whole idea is here's a hundred people dropped into a map. Be the last one left alive. Also, there's this electric circle closing in on you, so. You can't just hide in a house somewhere and hope no, hope no one finds you because you will die if you don't stay inside this shrinking circle. So get to it. Get killing everyone. And Ooh. both of them are like quite enjoyable games in their own right. Like the, the primary difference between them is that Fortnite also has crafting elements. So yes. as well as trying to like stay in this shrinking circle and shoot other people and survive... You can also, like, destroy things to get resources and you could, like, build your own shelter and things like that. Uh, mm. But both of them got mobile versions in this past week. Uh, as of today, I believe both of them are now officially available in the UK. Previously, mm. you had to jump through some hoops to get them on mobile. Um <laughs> They're both free to play. Um, I believe Fortnite is currently invite only still, but it is fr it is free if you get one of the invites to it. Mm. And both versions run surprisingly well on on mobile. Um, they're definitely scaled back a little bit graphically. They don't have quite the same uh, like draw distance. The resolutions dropped a little bit. The biggest difference is. You're playing a first-person shooter competitively online using a touchscreen rather than a controller, and that's never going to be as good as using a controller or a mouse and keyboard. Um, mm. They both have their own drawbacks and limitations. Uh, Fortnite, for example, in order to, you can't you can't be aiming at the same time as shooting because you have to tap the aim button to shoot. So you can't shoot while moving the camera, uh, which leads to a lot of people like strafing while they shoot instead of aiming while they shoot. Um, that's not a problem in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because there's f shooting buttons on both sides of the screen, but both of them have this issue where you don't have physical tactile buttons. So if you're switching between things, you might fail to do stuff because you missed a virtual button. Um, both of them you can't quite turn as smoothly or accurately or in a single movement as you could on PC or console. Oh. It's just, it's not quite as smooth an experience. And that's, yeah. that's not a huge issue for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds on phones, because you're, I believe you're only playing with other mobile players. Oh. On Fortnite... There is cross-play with PC and console players. Oh, wow. Yeah, which... I'm just going to put it bluntly. Playing on a touchscreen, you're probably not going to... 
beat players with better controllers. Um, But with that said, I had a lot of fun. Both of them are very competent ports, and if you're not someone who is super, like, I have to win, I have to win, or I'm not going to have fun... If you're happy to like be out of, out of the hundred people in the match, you got in the top thirty maybe, and mm. you found a good place to hide out that was near the center of the map, and you survived for a while, and you strafed around and killed a few people, and you're like, yeah, that was fun. This is a good way to get that while on the go. It's no mm. replacement for the other versions, but it's really nice that it exists and while there's no like switch versions of either of those games yet Yet. it's a nice way to be able to like play a battle royale game while like catching up on tv or something Mm. so even if i don't perform as well and it is an inferior version of the game i'm probably gonna play these versions more just because i can do them while doing something else and there's a lot of waiting around in battle royale games so Mm. Yeah, that's that's Player Unknown's Battleground Mobile and Fortnite Mobile. Mm. What about you? Have you played anything else? That, that's me, me all done and played. Oh well, I'll I'll skim through my last three pretty quickly then. So, uh, I played AOT Two, which is Attack on Titan Two, but they're not allowed to call it Attack on Titan in the UK for some reason. I've never understood why. So, okay. if you're outside of the UK, this is Attack on Titan Two. If you're in the UK, it's AOT2. Um, okay. So this is made by Koei Tecmo, who do all the Dynasty Warriors games. It is by far my favourite of the Dynasty Warrior style games. Because wow. by rather than putting down a bunch of just, here are enemies, mow them down, here's the boss, that's the only thing that's going to put up any real fight... Mm. What this does is it gives you fewer enemies and makes fighting even the basic enemies more of an involved task. Uh, For anyone who's unaware of the show Attack on Titan, the whole premise is there's these big naked humanoid monsters with creepy grins on their faces that like to eat humans. Fight them using basically the the technology equivalent of like Spider-Man web slinging and swords. And you, like, swing around them from building to building, slice the back of their necks and fly around really cool. And they've really captured... They've made swinging between buildings really, really cool with this sort of, like, here's these wires that clip to the buildings and then you use these gas canisters to propel you along and then spin and slice things. It feels very cool. And all of the enemies do feel like they pose a challenge. It's very mechanically distinct from the rest of Koei Tecmo's games. Mm. This second game does recap the story of the first game and, like, season one of the show. It does a good job of, like, reminding people what the plot was if they already know it. Mm. If you've not experienced season one of the anime or the first game or that, that section of the manga, it... <sighs> Because it's a heavily condensed retelling, it skims over a lot of the slow dramatic build and the tension and the mystery and all the things that made that story really engaging. So I wouldn't recommend this as like a place to jump in to that narrative. But if you're looking for something to remind you of the narrative and catch you up, this does a good job of that. And then it lets you play through season two of the anime. And there's a lot of very cool action. 
it it's basically just as good as the first game was. Runs a little bit better. It's a little bit faster. Hmm. And what were you playing it on? Uh, I was playing it on PS4. I believe there's a Switch version as well, which, like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy this combat system and there's a bit of me that's like, yeah, I got sent a PS4 version for work and I've completed that. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'll, like, trade that in and get a Switch version because I kind of want to keep playing this, but on Switch. Uh, other other things I played this week I played some of Nino Kuni 2 Which is a Studio Ghibli JRPG uh, J- It's Did you say style? Uh, yeah because it's not Ghibli anymore Well this is what I was going to say is backed out. I, I don't know So the first Nino Kuni was oh. Definitely made with Studio Ghibli Yes And uh, I need to check Is, is Studio Ghibli even involved in Nino Kuni 2? I, I'm sure I heard that they were not involved. Yeah, I feel I like maybe wrong. that was a story. Okay, they're not involved. Yeah, um, I'm sure I heard it from you as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably did say it. Let's have a look. So, uh, one of the biggest selling points of the first game was the involvement of Studio Ghibli. The anime studio's name is nowhere to be found on the sequel. Um, uh, okay, so a lot of people from Studio Ghibli still worked on this second game. Their company name just isn't on it. Um, Studio Ghibli has changed its business model, so we can't say it's Studio Ghibli. But there's a lot of staffers with Studio Ghibli credits who worked on it. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's why I was like confused about how to talk about this. It's a whole weird, messy situation. But it's you can't necessarily say it's a Studio Ghibli JRPG, but it looks like a Studio Ghibli film and is made by a bunch of Studio Ghibli people and feels a lot like a Studio Ghibli game. Um, okay. The whole idea is that you are a young a young king who has been, like, hoisted from the throne and you have to sort of rally up allies in order to, like, reclaim the throne and take over the land again. Mm. It's a very sweet story. Um... It's all very adorably told. There's a couple of unexpected twists in it. The big mechanical shakeups from the first game are that where the first game's big thing was like it was basically Pokemon. You collected mm. enemies that you defeated to summon in battle. Now it's kind of more like Pikmin. You have these little okay. tiny creatures on a li- a real-time map and they they have cooldown timers, kind of like an MMO. So, like, when the Pikmin have, like, charged up their attacks, you go to the place on the, in the battle that the Pikmin are and activate them so they'll do their, like, healing or fire attack or whatever it is that they, they do in, in the battle. They're oh. called Higgledies and they're adorable. Um, yeah, it's... There's a lot of streamlining that's happened compared to the first game. Oh. And... Its story has less of a grounding in reality. It is more of a firm fantasy story. But I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, the the one gripe I have with it is that at times the the game insists on putting you in real time strategy combat, and that's really not very fun. And okay. it it felt like they threw it in because they felt like they had to do something new, and it's just not as enjoyable as the rest of that game. I don't like mm. having to stop and do RTS combat. So okay. that's my only real gripe with it right now. I've I've certainly not finished playing Nino Kuni 2, but I'm enjoying its its plot so far. It's very sweet. 
JRPG about a child trying to reclaim what's theirs. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, I played about half an hour of A Way Out, which is a co-op game about two people trying to escape and go on the run from prison. And the whole thing is like, you have to play it in co-op. There's a lot of times where you'll have to time things together, like, hey, there's two guards facing each other. We'll have to time this and take them both out at the same time. Because if we don't, like one of them will see us trying to do it. It th- okay. it throws in a lot of interesting mechanical stuff because it knows it's a co-op game. Um, there was one point where there was an escape sequence that I played through where it would the camera would switch perspectives as these two characters were independently like doing separate things in this escape and it would like pan through a vent and then suddenly it's like ah and while that was happening this is where what this person's doing Mm. very very dramatic very well presented there's a lot of Mm. times where like there was one point where two characters were both running away from police and had two separate chases that like towards the end ended in a shared quick time event from two different perspectives it's a really interesting looking co-op game that really leans into the fact it's co-op. Mm. Uh, I've only played about half an hour of it. Uh, from what I understand from people who've been playing the full game, it's about eight hours long. And okay. I'm very interested in it. I definitely think that it's one that, that both of us should try and do co-op at some point in the future. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. I'm hype. Um, yeah. So I think that's everything I've played this week. I, I might throw in quickly, I did play an escape room themed around a way out. Mm. That that was the thing I did, um, because press events are weird. Um, this is at break-in escape rooms in London. I believe it is normally their heist plan escape room, but they sort of reflavored it. If you're mm. curious how that went, if you go look at Kotaku UK's YouTube channel, you can watch me attempting to fix an engine and break out of a prison. <laughs> Which is nice. a weird thing I got to do. There were a lot of very angry shouting people with fake guns. It was a little bit intimidating. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so with that, let's go to the next thing. Uh, uh, hi, is uh, this the room to, uh, to to speak about my, my, my movie pitch? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Let's, let's hear your pitch. Let's hear your pitch. I'm, I'm ready for you. I'm, I'm having a good day. Pitch me your film. Okay, so it's uh, a really sweet film about a, a woman. She's uh, she's uh, just making her way in a new town. She's had to move away from her old place. Lost a lot of friends after she came out as trans. Oh, oh, uh, oh, and, oh, 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 is it a trans film, is it? Trans film. Well, I mean, it's 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 a film about coming to a new city and, and sort of trying to get a new friendship. It's about starting over from scratch. Okay, okay, so so uh, she just happens to be trans. Okay, so so there's a couple couple of things, couple of things. Uh, how okay. how far into the film is it going to be when we have that scene where they're putting on their makeup while they're crying and like it's a whole big emotional scene because makeup's important. I wasn't thinking that we could have that at all. I'm trying to try to stay away from that kind of thing because I feel that like that's done a lot. But in these in these films, wait, I, I'm I'm not sure I understand you. You're suggesting doing a trans film that doesn't have the putting on makeup while crying scene. 
I don't feel that's necessary at all. Okay, okay, okay. We'll put that one aside for a second. We'll put that aside for a second. Um, when are we gonna have the scene where, like, someone that knew them before turns up, it's a whole big dramatic thing, and, like, they're referred to by a different name, it's this whole big drama, and everyone's suddenly like, <gasps> you're trans. When's, when's that scene happening? I wasn't planning on having any scenes involving anyone from her past at all, actually. She's she's making a whole new start. She's but, meeting new friends, but, meeting but, new people. But, 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 but without that scene, how do we know they're trans? Uh, well, I mean, it, it will be mentioned. I think she is, is going to... Uh, she's probably going to be meeting up with a few other trans people. Uh, like, wait, locally, wait, wait, she'll, wait, she'll meet... Wait, wait, More than one trans person. Yeah, I was thinking like because most most queer people uh, and trans people have a lot of uh, friends who are also I, queer I, and trans, I, I, so I, I guess that I, would... I, 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 I hate to stop you there. I hate to stop you there. On the executive, sure, sure. I'm on the executive, yeah, yeah. and you know, I've, I've 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 seen a lot of films. I've made a lot of films with involved trans yeah. people. The rule is you only ever have one, because like if you have more than one, that's just too many. Like you, there's no, I just don't. Makes sense. You don't, you don't have more than one trans person. They're they're rare. They just you just have the one because because there's not many of them. That's that's not really the case because trans people like as like I was saying like trans people very often hang out with other other trans people. They have a, a sort of close knit friend group. In, in fact, the the trope you find in a lot of films is that you will have a single gay person or a single trans person, and that that is a big source of of issues for them. But in this case, I was going to make it like this is a small community community within a much bigger community uh, that they're they're finding each other and, and just exploring themselves and having great fun but the fact that they're queer or trans or whatever else isn't really going to be the focus of the story it's about you know a new beginning and, and how that can be scary but but uh learning to go grow and, and explore and, and have great adventures what one last question one last question when, when are we gonna have the scene where it's a whole the the transness is a whole big deal because like they're still still working through that feeling and like it's it's a big tough thing and then it's a big happy thing and like it's it's just everything's a very big deal about it. When's that been? Mm, that that that's not going to happen either. I I'm picturing that she's she's had some some troubles at home, but that's all in the past, and that's not really going to be brought up. Everything is a journey, and, and, and a, but she, she's gone as far as she wants to, to take things, and I don't think that that even needs to be clarified in the film as to where that is, but she, she's happy where she is, uh, making this big new adventure, and it's it's about that adventure rather than just the, the fact that she is trans. The fact that she is trans is is secondary or tertiary or way down the list she's she's just having this great new adventure she's meeting new people she's uh, having adventures she's really enjoying life a, a lot of joie de vivre there just doesn't sound realistic to me no one's gonna buy it mm. unless unless I've, uh, i think i yeah. think i got it i think i got it we'll do we can do your film we can do your film Okay, like, uh, we're so... We're gonna cast the most sensitive person I can think to cast in that role. Yeah, I was thinking maybe, like, Laverne Cox or someone? No, 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 no. You gotta get, you gotta get... When when you mention me, trans film, there's only one name I think. Eddie Redmayne. Uh, just... Just no. Uh. On every level, no. <laughs> no Eddie Redmayne, no Jared Leto. No. Uh, what do you know? Ah, oh, no films. 
Hollywood, everybody. Hollywood is great. Picture the scene. You are sitting at home, all by yourself, chatting to someone that you have never met before on the interwebs. Oh, hello, random stranger on the interwebs. It's very pleasant speaking to you. Greetings to you. I am person on the internet. Here, let me send you a picture. Oh, will it be a nice picture of your face? It is certainly a nice picture. Okay, then. Ah! Yes, that is right. Whatever you do, do not be sending penis pictures through the internet. People do not wish to see this. It is very traumatic. Here we have a person who has received the penis picture. They do not enjoy this. I certainly did not enjoy receiving that penis picture unprompted. Certainly, there is a time and a place for a consensual penis picture, but there are people on the internet, like the one I encountered, who will send one entirely unprompted. They will say something like, Would you like to see a picture of me? And you say, Yes, very innocently. Uh, They might even say, Would you like to see a picture of my head? And you say, Yes, because that's a very innocent thing to say. And then they send you a picture of their penis, because... They either weren't specific, or they used a double meaning of the word head, and all of a sudden I'm seeing someone's member and I did not consent to that. It's very unseemly. So remember, next time you are thinking about doing it, don't be a dick. Don't send that pic. Don't send it unrequested. What are you watching, stranger? I've only watched one thing this week. I've only watched one thing this week. What have you been watching? I watched Jessica Jones season one. Oh, how'd you get on with that? Um, you were right. Um, Kilgrave is um, a, a, a troubling character. He's a very well-written villain, is he not? Yep, yep. yep. Um, and and yes, yes, he is. <laughs> um, I think his his power is obviously something that would concern a lot of people to to not have free will against that yeah um, it was quite interesting because i i did a bit of googling after i finished watching about um jessica in the netflix series compared to the character in the comic books mm. and 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 how how there are differences and it talks about uh kilgrave or the purple man as he, he was also known mm. in in the comic books and about the sort of the differences of how, of how that moved on and how the comic books covered a lot of the stuff of when they were together. Yes. So um, that's not really a, a major spoiler. That's sort of brought out by the end of the second episode. Yeah, very very early on. Like, I don't think it's spoilers to talk overall stuff about what Kilgrave's whole deal is in Jessica Jones. Like, s- yeah. season one is primarily about this villain Kilgrave. His ability... Is he? He is a control. It, it's a controlling ability. He tells people to do yes. things, and they can't not do it. The power of pheromones. Yes, apparently he, he basically he's a controlling, manipulative person, but that is an evil villain superpower. And he's played by David, a uh, uh, very charming David Tennant. That is now like my favorite da- thing I've seen David Tennant in. Like I think he he fucking nailed that role. Once again, doing the weird English Doctor Who accent. Yeah, but like it works better when it's for a villain, I think. Well, you know, if Star Wars has taught us anything, it's that English edit- English villains are some of the most intimidating. Um, Apart from possibly Adrian Edmondson in, in yeah. the most recent Star Wars I, movie. Like, 
trying to stay like fairly light on season one spoilers for Jessica Jones, I think what I liked most about that show is that while he does have superpowers to do with controlling people, I think Mm -hmm. that he's most effective as a villain in that show when he's not using his powers, when he Mm. is controlling people without using powers. And it sort of, it, it, there are times in that show where Kilgrave is trying to make you feel sympathetic for him having this ability. And Mm. then you see him manipulating people without using it. And you're like, no, at your core, you are, you are a very relatable villain in that you are doing a thing that actual human people do. And it's shitty and uh, manipulative Mm. when they do it and when you do it. Yes, and as someone who's been on the receiving yeah. end of that kind of thing, it's uh, uncomfortable. Mm. There were things in that show where I was like, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I'm I'm glad that that show is not afraid to call out Kilgrave for the rapist that he is. Indeed. Yeah, like the show does not shy away from that. So I, I, I warn you, if you keep watching, season two is... It's still an enjoyable no, show. It's but like <laughs> it's it's not season one. Season one just they were never going to top Kilgrave. Kilgrave was too spectacular a villain. Is the villain for season two who I, who I think it is? No, that's not the villain. Oh, he does show up in season two, but not. Uh, he he is a catalyst for some events that go on in season two. Ooh. But um. Exciting. No, the person you're thinking of is not the villain in season two. Well, heck. Yeah, there is. The first couple of episodes of season two, you're going to be a little bit confused as to like, okay, is there a villain? Like, what what is this antagonist we're working towards? Mm. And then it'll all sort of like unfold in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, any anything else about season one of Jessica Jones? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, more than I enjoyed uh, Daredevil, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched Luke Cage, so I couldn't compare it to that. It's it's my favourite of the, the Netflix Marvel series. I find it really weird, because, like, I really enjoy, or I, I more enjoy Marvel products uh, as both comic books and films. I am not a fan of DC comic books really at all including the new 52 i thought the harley quinn books were going to be really really good because i enjoyed (laughs) the first harley quinn um but by the second one with power girl and stuff i was like (laughs) you have taken all of that goodwill that i had from the first book and just gone nah um and but but like series wise i love gotham more Mm. than i have loved most of the sort of like Daredevil, um, and uh, yeah, I think probably Jessica Jones as well. I enjoyed Jessica Jones, but it was very heavy going. Yeah, that is the important thing to say. Season one of Jessica Jones is very heavy going. Fantastic, but like, yes. be ready for it. Um, yes. But yeah, no, I somewhat agree with you, because that leads nicely on to I watched a lot of Gotham this week. How is the Gotham? It's, it's good. I'm I'm most of the way through season one now. Um, mm-hmm. And for anyone who's, like, not up to speed, Gotham, it's that show that's about Batman, but before Batman was Batman, he's he's still a kid. Let's look at the town where he lived and see what was happening there before he was Batman. Um, And he was still Diddy Bruce. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Uh, There's a lot of 
bits of this show that if you know Batman stories already, a lot of them feel like nods to stuff and they're not very subtle about it. Like, oh, we're at a circus and one of the families has the surname Grayson and they're very acrobatic and I wonder if they're ever going to have a son that's going to grow up to be a character from Batman, maybe, and here's here's Ivy. You think it might be Riddler? Yeah. Oh, maybe Riddler. And here's here's Ivy dressed in, in green, and she likes her plants. I wonder who she's gonna grow up to be. And like, there's a lot of not subtle, like this is that person from Batman. Nudge, nudge. Have you noticed? I remember when uh, series one was first airing, and there was a lot of ooh, is that character gonna be the Joker? Is that character gonna be the Joker? It might not be. And the uh, the sort of big wigs on the show going, oh yeah, no, you've we've seen the Joker, but do you know who it is? And I think pretty much everyone went, it's that guy. Oh yeah, no, he's clearly I, that guy. I met that guy. There is there is the character who is like young enough to be about the same age as Batman, and does a lot of like, <laughs> I'm going to do a big smile while I laugh maniacally. <laughs> and like, yes, I, I wonder if you're maybe the Joker, mate, maybe. Mm. I wonder. He, he, he. And it, I, I love that they were trying to cast it as, oh, it's going to be because Can you get. You'll never guess who it is. It might be someone we've seen. And I, I've recently seen sort of promo shots from season three. And it's like, there's no way that is not the fucking Joker. Yeah, I, I can already guess who's clearly going to be the Joker. But yeah, like, I, I'm enjoying the general detective drama that's going on. The sort of. Mm. I'm very much enjoying these two competing stories of. Basically, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, like trying to rise up through the ranks of the mob and become a powerful figure mm. in Gotham, versus Commissioner Gordon, who's not yet Commissioner Gordon, trying to root out corruption within the police force and rise up the ranks of the police, mm. while also doing like murderer of the week crimes that like ultimately like if you know a lot of batman lore a lot of them you're gonna hear a surname and go oh you're Mm. that character that that's who the villain of this this episode is but i like some of the takes on these villains like Mm. uh, uh, here's an example one of the ones that i watched recently was not necessarily the uh, okay the episode is called the scarecrow this is clearly a scarecrow origin story and the, ki- the killer of the episode is not the scarecrow, quote-unquote, that, you know, Batman will eventually face, but a person who is very, very similarly tied, and clearly this is the origin story of how the scarecrow came to be. Mm. But I very much enjoyed the the take they took on that story of what was the motivation of the killer that, you know, ended up leading to the scarecrow being created, but also, like... Mm. What was their motivation as a killer? What were they killing for? How were they doing it? How were they trying to go mm. undetected? I I think some of those stories are very interesting and are some of the more interesting origin stories for those characters I've seen. Yeah. But there is a lot of nudge, nudge, do you, do you know what we're doing? Nudge, nudge. Mm, definitely. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm almost through season one and I'm definitely going to keep watching, so... It, it's it's somewhat nice knowing these characters knowing these characters enough to know how things are going to work out somewhat it takes some of the stress away for me like hmm. watching all the stuff with um, Oswald who's going to be the penguin 
like, we know that obviously he survives long enough to be grown-up Bruce Wayne's nemesis later on. Mm. So I don't have to panic every time something's going very wrong for him, because I'm like, you're going to ultimately come out of this okay. <laughs> like, th- you're not going to die today because you have to grow up and be the Penguin, so... Some people would see that as a bad thing. Oh no, I get that. I get that people would be like, where's the tension? But I'm a very anxious TV viewer, and it's nice to be like, oh, I can just like oh. kind of relax about that character, because... I know that they're going to live for a while. I get to enjoy your story without worrying yeah. about you dying. I, I get to go like, oh, you seem like you're in a really tough situation that you there's no way you could survive. How are you going to survive this? Huh? You are not the dog companion in any PC game. Yeah, it's, it's less me being tense that they might die and more going, hang on, you're going to get out of this somehow. How the heck are you going to do that? Tell me your story. Yeah, friend. tell me your story. So, yeah, I'm enjoying Gotham. Nice. Uh, Should we move on to another thing? I think we should move on to another thing. So how you doing? I've not seen you in a while. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm doing really well. um, I've I've been seeing some some new people recently. Oh, lovely. They're uh, they're all all robots, I'll have you know. Oh, very nice, very nice. I know, this is a polyamorous relationship. It's just me and many, many robots. And as you can see, they're they're all all right around me right now, as you can see. Oh, they look so starstruck around you. Oh, I know, they they, they never stray far from me. They, They seem to, you know, find it really hard to tear themselves away from me. Oh, we've got your own little orbit going on there. Oh. It's uh, so, so romantic. Oh, I know. Uh, you know, it, I've been one. I was wondering for a little while what it was that was, you know, drawing them all to me, and I think I finally worked oh. it out. Oh, hey, what's that? Oh, I've got a real magnetic personality. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to the Running Podcast, where we're going to talk you through your run today. We're going to give you lots of motivation, lots of reasons to keep doing your run to get to the end of that session. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Here's your first bit of advice. Run like there's a tiger behind you. Rawr! He's gonna get you. He's coming. Rawr! Run like there's a free ice cream truck, and it's about to pull away. Oh no, you want to get that ice cream. It's getting away from you. Wouldn't you really like a Mr. Whippy? I know I would. Come on, go get it. <laughs> Run like like you've, you've dropped a fiver on the floor and you're chasing after it. Oh no, it's blowing away in the wind. That pesky gust of wind is going to blow it away. You can catch it. I believe in you. That's free money right there. It's yours. Go get what you deserve. Run like there's a horde of zombies right behind you. Brains. Brains. You don't want your brains eaten, do you? Yeah. And they're not the shambling kind. They're the running kind, like the remake of Dawn of the Dead. They're the worst kind. Run from them, or you'll end up as an extra in a movie. And that's a bad thing. Run like if you don't finish this run soon, this voice is going to really get grating, and you're going to lose your voice. Finish that run so that I don't lose my voice. Run like that, yeah. Run, run, real. Run like you really need to get home, or you're gonna poo yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, you gotta get to the bathroom. You know, you don't know how long you can hold on for. You can make it. 
And there you go. That is your run for today. Next time, we're going to make you run as if you're in a hamster wheel being chased by a cat. Run on that spot. Go as fast as you can. Get away. I believe in you. We believe in you. Keep running. So, what have you been listening to this week? It's been a bit diverse. Uh, I started off listening to uh, Andre Ryu and the Johann Strauss Orchestra playing the beautiful Blue Blue Danube. Um, And moved on to Strauss's uh, Deflader Mouse Overture. I fancied a bit of classical music at the beginning of the week. Oh, heck. Sometimes I listen to classical music. I occasionally do. I I don't listen to it nearly as much as I feel like I should. Uh, then I moved on to uh, Talamasca, which is Psytrance, a track called uh, Man With No Name. It's nice Psytrance. It's um, got a good progression. Um, there's a lot going on in it, and it's not just boring pony trance, <laughs> as some trance can be. And then I started listening to Within the Wires. Oh! From Night Vale Presents. That, that's the one where it's all like mental health relaxation tapes in a weird facility, isn't it? Yeah. How, how are you getting on with it? It made me wish that the program had been a better series. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is very impressively done. I'm a big fan of season mm. one of Within the Wires. Yeah, um, I'm about halfway through the first season. It, it's nice the way it sort of slowly reveals itself to you. Um, obviously, you've got you've got to learn what's going on with the characters, uh, sort of who the character that this is being directed at, and the person speaking, and and what their motivations are, and le- and learning more about. Mm. The relationship and 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 what the facility is and what's going on. Yeah. Um. I imagine that if I had a vision imagination, it would be so much more. <laughs> um, I I imagine. It, I like it for what it, I I get out. <laughs> I imagine that it would be a very interesting series to experience in a very vivid, imaginative sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You you have the ability to imagine things, so I I somewhat do now. Yeah. Did you get more out of it? Um, here's here's the thing. When I first listened to this, I didn't really have much of a visual imagination. Okay. And I listened to it a second time once I did have a bit more of a visual imagination, and I definitely got mm-hmm. I definitely got more out of it. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I have aphantasia, so I, I I, sort of sit there questioning with things like this, just going, and it constantly talks about imagining the mind's eye, <laughs> look through the mind's eye, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what that's like. So here's, here's <laughs> the thing, like, I definitely don't have the same issues as you. I, I struggle to visualise very specific things. Like, a great example mm. is I can't picture faces, um... If someone asks me to describe a person after I've left a room, I can maybe tell them key points like were they bold or did they have a beard, but mm. I can't describe a person's appearance beyond that. If I'm not okay. looking at them, I my brain just can't recall and picture things like faces. Mm. There are there are very specific things my brain just can't picture, or at least. But locations, are you? Uh, in general terms, I can picture like. If I'm picturing like a 
big grassy sunny meadow I can picture like the big splashes of colour and the sort of like general outlines of things but it's not Mm. a vivid detailed detail oriented picture it's like if if you tried to draw a scene with your left hand and like it it was all very blocky like scribbles of colour but you could like get the picture of yeah that's what I'm seeing so you see in children's pictures. I basically see in children's pictures. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, things have happened over the last like amount of time, and I can now somewhat slightly better picture faces than I used to be able to. Um, and I definitely get more out of Within the Wires now that I can picture things more. But um, yeah, I. I... Well, I'm glad that you you have have that ability. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I will say for Within the Wires season two. Not as strong as season one. Uh, maybe I'll I'll listen to that as well, and I'll feel better about the program. <laughs> see, see, this is a bit like when I started doing. Um, I was talking about thinking about doing a a solo Snow Monkey Radio podcast hmm. based on the 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 like the YouTube ones I'd done previously, and that was about a week before I discovered Welcome to Night Vale, and I was <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, well, They've, yeah. This is the best it gets. Like, there's no point me doing anything now. Uh, well, his what I'll, what I'll say about season two when you eventually get to it, it's a totally different story. Uh, it's not connected mm. in any way. Um, mm. Season one of Within the Wires is relaxation tapes in a weird facility. Um, mm. Season two is audio cassettes in a bunch of art galleries describing okay. paintings and. All the paintings being described by the same artist, and it is the same artist every time doing the descriptions of the paintings and, like, talking about her relationship with the artist who painted them. Okay. And, it, and is it the same narrator? Uh, different different narrator. Okay. There's, there's a different sort of mystery going on. I mm. will say that I think the mystery is a lot less... has a lot less satisfying of a payoff. Mm. And... Is a lot. You can sort of see the res- end result coming a lot further off than you can oh, with season okay. one. Um, I just don't think it's as good. But season one was hmm. very strong, and it's only what like 10, 15 episodes or something. I believe it's ten episodes. Yeah, and I'm on about episode six. I might have to go back and re-listen to that because it's it's a nice thing to hmm. just lie down in the dark and just listen to for twenty minutes or so. Yeah, it's one I find I do want to focus on. Like, a lot of podcasts I will just mm. get on and do other things, but I feel with within wires, like, if I'm not paying full attention to yeah. it, like, I'm not getting enough out of it's, it. It's one that I, very similarly to Welcome to Night Vale, I like to listen to either just in the dark, lying in bed by myself, or mm. walking alone in the dark. I love walking alone in the dark to uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, it, if you enjoy that, like... I I find that within the wires has a similar appeal when walking alone in the dark. Mm. Well, as long as it's not similar to the experience I had of listening to um, a story about you uh... for the first time. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> See, I'm I'm now picturing us going for nighttime podcast listening walks where we're both listening to the same podcast, but just like separate pairs of headphones, just walking together in the dark. Listen to a podcast in each other's company. That seems like a really nice thing. That sounds lovely. I think we should do that at some point. Go for some nighttime podcast walks. 
Oh, and the, the last thing I've been listening to is, um, this is the problem of me having a podcast app on my phone <laughs> now. I don't know why I didn't have one before. I finally decided to join the 21st century. I've been listening to the Infinite Monkey Cage season, I believe it's 13, um, the 2016 season. What is that? It's a, uh, a science comedy show f- from Radio 4 uh, with Robin In- Ince and Professor Brian Cox. Ooh. And they pick a subject. Um, the the ones I listen, was listening to, to, to today were uh, What is Race? Where they talk about, sort of, biologically speaking, race is bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and even if you look at two people who have a similar amount of melanin in their skin, they could be from wildly different parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, and you cannot use that to judge. Um, they had Shappy Corsandi on, mm. and she was talking about how she'd always assumed, because her mother is Indian, that she was mostly Indian. But it turns out she's mostly sort of uh, North African. Yeah. So, like, she's like, just because of the melanin in my skin and where my mother's from, I assumed a thing. But it's not the case at all. It, it's so that was that was quite interesting. It's almost like looking at a person's body tells you very little about them as a person, as a whole overall person. <laughs> I know it's like it applies to loads of things, <laughs> and yet racists and bigots love to comment yeah. on them. People mm-hmm. like to assume um, things about genetics. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one I listened to today? Um, uh, there was one a good one about artificial intelligence that was also quite interesting about. Um, what kind of robots we should be building and should we be concerned about accidentally making a robot that feels unhappy? Yes, yes, we should. Yeah, yeah. The but at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not having uh, in, in, dictators uh, building robot armies that cannot be killed. <laughs> yeah, these are both very important things to think about. Mm-hmm. What have you been listening to? Well, I've been listening to a few things this week. So I've got like four songs mm-hmm. I want to recommend this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's one called Melt by a band called Makari. So M-A-K-A-R-I. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a very sort of like relatively high-pitched um, melody guitar-led track with quite a sort of like mm. rock beat behind it. Um, male vocalist that focuses on basically like it's it's a song about like trying to get a, get away and like thinking about people who've moved on in in their lives and being like hey i hope that wherever you are like i don't know what what your life's doing now but i hope that things are going well for you and hmm. trying to have some sort of positivity for like hey people people don't always stay in each other's lives for forever but I hope that whatever you're doing, like, I hope that if it was right for you to go and do your thing, that you you went and did it, and that I hope it's working out for you. Hmm. Which is quite quite a nice one. Um, nice. Okay, so there's one called Let It Die, brackets, O-A-O, close brackets, by a band called Velt Punch. This, this one is not in English. I do not for certain know what language it is in. I need to, I need to look that up and find out what some of these lyrics actually mean quickly. So that's always um, one that concerns me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to quickly run some of the lyrics to this through, uh, Google Translate. Oh, just a sec. Okay. Okay. I might've just found out where this, this potentially came from. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, okay, no. Crisis averted. I googled the lyri- uh, a line of the lyrics and I momentarily thought that I might have accidentally been listening to an opening song from the anime Bleach without knowing it. Okay, uh, I don't know Bleach. Uh, guy has a big sword, an orange hair, and he beats up ghosts. Um, no. Okay, well, that doesn't sound nearly as problematic as your... your... No, it's just like, distress, no, I think the, the distress was like, oh no, have I accidentally been a big, like, anime nerd without realising it oh, this week? Okay. Um, What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, I like to know if I'm being a big nerd. So, <laughs> let's have a look. Okay, it is Japanese, and what is, what does it mean in English? No, it's, it's, I'm not getting any kind of um, helpful translation. Um, oh, okay, it's about smoking. So, <laughs> I, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> So yeah, a lot of a lot of this song I did not particularly understand at the time. Um, I'm gonna finish translating all of this, just making sure there is definitely nothing problematic uh. in it now. <laughs> that is the constant danger. <laughs> oh, some of the some of the lyrics are actually pretty amusing now. <laughs> okay. So um. <laughs> I I was unaware of, of most of the lyrics at the time. It's quite an upbeat sort of like J-Rock track. But mm-hmm. um judging by the Google Translate of the lyrics, it's about someone who um basically is not being sexually satisfied by their male partner, so is instead going for bike rides because uh, they're cheating on their partner with the bike. They're they're getting that satisfaction they're missing from the bike instead of fr- instead of from that troubled cock. <laughs> okay. So didn't know that's what I think we've all been didn't there. know that that's what the song was about. But yeah, it's it's quite a cock trouble. <laughs> Get on your bike and ride. It's it's quite an upbeat, um, fast paced J rock track that I quite enjoyed. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's by the the band Velt Punch. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that has me very mm-hmm. tickled now. <laughs> um, so apologies if there's any poor translation. I'm relying on Google Translate somewhat there. Um, there is another track I listened to this week called "Mental Illness" by a band called Goodnight Neverland. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one has a much more sort of laid back, relaxed feel to it. Um, it's got almost mm-hmm. like a little bit of a swing beat to it. Um, and it is, as the name would suggest, a track about mental illness. Um, mm. About never particularly feeling normal, but finding solace in other people not feeling normal. And it's like, hey, <laughs> don't don't listen to what other people say. You're great and we're great. Let's who wants to be normal? Normal is normal's never exceptional, so don't be normal. Be be you. It's That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, it's a very positive look on on mental health and the last one is called cocaine princess by samuel lawson who i believe i've brought up on the podcast before uh it is a completely wordless track it's it's an instrumental that uses a lot of like acoustic guitar sounds it's very sorrowful uh it does a lot of like slapping the acoustic guitar to make that sort of like very distinctive Percussion sound you can get from hitting the the body of a guitar while you play it, but it's just mm. this like very sad. Uh, it 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 sounds at times very sad, but at times more determined to get away from that sadness. Yeah. Um, 
there's a lot of like very intricate guitar work to it. It picks up in intensity as it goes, and eight minutes, and it takes quite a journey, that song. It it goes on quite a journey without any words. I'm very impressed by it. It uses very sorrowful tone range, but changes its intensity to sort of switch between sorrow and determination as the sort of tones that I get from it. Okay. Uh, I don't know if other people will feel that. Sometimes I wonder when I listen to music, like... I got, there was an emotion in that music, but is that just my brain being synesthetic as it is? Hey, everyone gets different things out of music. Indeed. And that's fine. But uh, yeah, that that is called uh, Cocaine Princess, and I very much enjoy that track. It's it's a very good eight-minute sort of musical journey. So yeah, nice. that's, that's what I've been listening to. Oh, so... While this recording has gone on, Trans Pride Brighton has been announced. Ooh! 21st of July. Nice! Uh, between 1 and 6 at Brunswick Square, so same place as the last couple of years. Nice! Hopefully we will see another larger turnout again, because it's, it's nice to have our own pride. And always been getting bigger and bigger. It has, and, and go support them. That's awesome. Yeah. So if, if anyone's going to come to Brighton Pride this year, come say hi to us, because we'll probably be there. Probably be at Brighton Pride, probably be at Trans Pride Indeed. Well. Bri- Brighton Pride, Trans Pride, all of the prides in, in that are in and around Brighton-ish. Yeah, and probably London Pride as well. Probably. We'll, we'll go to all the Pride things. We're very proud of ourselves. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, but you know what they say, fake it till you make it. <laughs> anyway! Welcome, welcome, come in, come in, come in. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, just, um, I understand you you, you do hypnotherapy? Yes, uh, I, I, I believe that you uh, you were after hypnotic regression to, for past, past lives, is that correct? Yes, I, I'm told it might help with my anxieties. Well, uh, it's certainly possible if, if you were to discover that you had a more um, assertive personality in a past life, that could certainly be beneficial to you in the here and now in learning how to be more assertive in your day-to-day. So are you, uh, are you ready? Yes. Okay, get yourself nice and comfortable, and uh, I'm going to count backwards from ten. And as I count backwards, you're going to feel your eyes get slowly heavier and slowly heavier until uh, by the time you reach number one, you will be in a past life and you will be someone entirely different. Um, I I have no idea who that will be, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. So, ten, we're starting to get sleepy. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hello. Who do we have here? I am Blumlord, the infamous destroyer of lives. That's very interesting. Tell me, whereabouts are you? In the eighth circle of hell. The circle that no one talks about because it's so hellish. Oh, fascinating. And how did you... How, uh, tell me a bit about your life. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I torture the evil, the, the, those that must be tortured for being naughty and bad. I poke them with sticks and gout on their eyes, and I give them cold yet burnt toast. And can you tell me, 
do feel that these are attributes that might be more use that might be of use to whoever might be sat in a chair in my office, for example. They are useful for the rehabilitation of infinite evil souls. I will destroy them all, and they will be rehabilitated or crushed, dust and destroyed. Well, I certainly appreciate this this sign of confidence, and as I count from from one back up to ten, you're going to get less and less sleepy, and you will carry this this confidence of what was it, Bloodmore, the destroyer of worlds, was it? Yes, lovely chatting to you. Thanks for coming. Indeed. 10987654321. And you're back in the room. Yes, I am. I defeated worlds. Oh no, this was, this was not intended. Oh no. Uh, I should really call it quits any time that I accidentally regress someone back to the life where they were a demon. Should really know by now that doesn't work out. Six times this week, Doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just. I'm always so excited when that demon happens to have the personality trait that person was coming in for. It seems like a gold mine. (laughs) Have you been involved in a ridiculous accident that for some reason you feel you need compensating for, even though it's probably your own stupid fault? Then call Ridiculous Claims Direct. I was doing a space hopper race in my back garden, which I fill with nails and bobby pins, and I accidentally popped it. They didn't say not to use it on top of pins, and I popped it, and I landed on the spikes, and that hurt quite a lot. So I claimed through Ridiculous Claims Direct, and I got a new space hopper to replace my broken one, and now they all have to say don't put up beyond pins on, on, on the side of them. My knees were replaced with oranges and served up in a Chinese restaurant. I was very cross, but Ridiculous Claims Direct managed to get me eight pounds. <laughs> I attempted to order a pizza and they refused to put bricks on it as a topping. Said that bricks were not an available topping. I said, you got bricks in your building, then you can put bricks as a topping. And they refused, and I got compensation. Now, I can order my brick pizza whenever I feel like it. I was forced to go on an extended walking holiday uh, with a poet called Virgil. It was very hot and unpleasant. I was hoping to go somewhere nice and pretty, but that is not where I went. Ridiculous Claims Direct got me uh, 12.5p in old money. I was born too attractive. And all the people getting in my way trying to woo my affections kept get just being very inconvenient. So I sued God through Ridiculous Claims Direct. And now anyone who is born beautiful has to be given a little bit of extra time on earth. Just like, you know, an extra extra 20 minutes at the end of their life to make up for, for all them all them suitors coming for them. I fell into a black hole and was compacted to the size of a grain of sand. Ridiculous Claims Direct didn't do anything for me. As I'd fallen past the event horizon at that point, really no going back to that. But I'm sure they could have done something. Uh, probably got me a six or seven thousand pounds. Mm. I tried to start a podcast called Queer and Pleasant Strangers, but there was already a podcast called Queer and Pleasant Strangers by these two lovely trans women. And as such, I wasn't allowed to have one. So I sued them and I got nothing because they had the idea first. I'm, I'm, I was a bit out of luck there. It's the one thing Ridiculous Games Direct can't do. Can't sue queer and pleasant strangers. So call ridiculous claims direct, and they'll sort you out a couple of quid if if you really must. But really, must you go around suing people? 
Do you know what? I want to see more of. What do you want to see more of? Brocial! Brocial Justice Warriors! Brocial Justice Warriors! Shouldn't have done this voice before starting to do the other voice. <laughs> Alright, Larry. <coughs> you alright, Barry? That cough clearing up? Yeah, it's fine, thanks. <laughs> oh, how are you doing? How are you doing, oh, Barry? That, you, you doing alright in spite of that cough you got? Yeah, but apparently I, I, I'm not quite ready for, for whatever that was. Oh, that's alright. How's, how's your week been? Uh, not too bad, yeah. I hate to say it, but uh, the scissor at it again. Oh, what have um, they been doing this time? Well, you heard about this uh, group of uh, trans-exclusionary radical fem- feminists. Oh, that, oh yeah, well, hey, I, I, I'll use that term, but I, I, I think they are... Probably, I'd be hard pressed to call them either feminists or radical. Radical's too cool of a word for them. But are you what about those man fr- hashtag Man Friday ones this week? Oh, I hadn't actually refer- heard it referred to in specifically oh. those terms, but certainly I had heard that uh, these uh, cis women were in- involved in a plan to uh, invade male toilets and uh, swimming facilities. I think was was yeah. one of them. Yeah. Uh, they were just going to do it uh, one day a week uh, to try and drum up some hate for trans people. Yeah. So the old basic. Because apparently there's not enough of that in yeah. the world. The old basic deal here is that they're they're very afraid of the idea of uh, self-identifying as trans and their attempt to uh, try and scaremonger and and make it so that people have a harder time, you know, being recognised when they're trans, is that these people who are definitely cis are going to decide, they've, they've pre-decided one day a week, they're going to claim to be uh, trans men, these, these cis women, go to men's only spaces, and very much make a point of wearing tops that are like, I'm self-identifying as male, so you can't stop me, and basically trying to be in a nuisance deliberately in order to try and, you know, make some kind of point about trans people, and... There's a, there's a bunch of nonsense to do with this, but there's one point in particular that's really been bugging me about that this week. Yeah. Yeah, which is the point that you see this happen a bunch. When people are trying to stop trans rights, they will in, they will invent these situations because there are no actual examples of them happening. Like, you saw this when the bathroom bills were happening in America to try and yeah. keep trans people out of yeah. bathrooms. You had cis male politicians invading women's bathrooms deliberately like presenting ma- as masculinely as possible but going in and making a ruckus and like making people uncomfortable to then go oh i did it so so trans p- people will say they're trans and do it and then you've got these these uh turfy cis women doing the same thing going into men's spaces and going oh look at me i'm being an inconvenience if you let trans people exist there'll be inconveniences too and you know, it says everything that they're having to go and do these publicity stunts because it very clearly shows they don't have any actual examples to point to. Like, they can't just go, look, you see that cis person that abused trans stuff to go do yeah. something bad. They can't point to that because it's a non-existent issue that they make up. Exactly. And a lot of them seem to ignore the fact that there aren't actually any laws stopping men or women going into men or women's facilities, certainly not in the UK anyway. But uh, to to then try and to sort of draw that parallel of, look, we're invading your space. Well, you're not actually allowed to do that anyway. You're not, no, you shouldn't be in a, a public facility causing hassle to people, regardless of whatever your gender is. 
it doesn't matter. The point is, you're just drumming up hate for no good reason. And it annoys me the way they constantly throw trans men under the bus. You know, you get all these uh, women-only events, and they've, they're very anti-trans women. They, they, uh, one of the music festivals, I understand it was, they wouldn't have uh, trans women anywhere near them. Certainly not anyone that they uh, expected to be a trans woman. But they were openly welcoming trans men, which... Is offensive, surely, to most trans men, oh, I would have thought. Indeed. Not that it is for me to speak speak on their behalf or anything, but certainly that is basically these women, these cis women, saying that these trans men are not men by welcoming them in, in, in that space oh, and obviously just offending both sides of that. But just no, just oh, no. Exactly, and... You know, there's there's plenty of examples of countries that already have self-identification that you can like change all your documents with self-ID already, and yeah. it's a demonstrable fact that countries that have adopted self-ID for trans people have seen zero rise in crimes in gendered spaces because it's just an imagined issue; it's not an actual thing. Um, you know, there's one other thing about this that was really rubbing me up the wrong way this week that I think yeah. is really important to mention. Yeah. Some of these uh, these cis women doing these protests were doing so in swimming pools. They were going to men's only yes. swimming events. And what really rubbed me up the wrong way about that is I know a bunch of trans people who absolutely love swimming and haven't been swimming in bloody years because they don't yeah. feel confident doing so. Because going swimming involves a lot of your body being on show and that's a really uncomfortable thing for a lot of trans people. And, yeah. and tends to also be wearing clothes that are somewhat clingy which if you happen to be trying to um, bind uh, your natural chest or if you're you're tucking they can be very uncomfortable or or awkward in most traditional swimming gear oh indeed indeed and like i i I, I know from experience um i know people who like used to love swimming didn't do it for seven or eight years because you know a discomfort about their bodies and stuff. It's a big thing. Like, if you talk to trans people, so many of them go, I really bloody miss swimming, but I don't mm. do it because I don't feel safe and comfortable doing so. Like, no. it's 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 almost a trope at this point. If you talk to trans people, it's like, oh, yeah, we all miss swimming. We all wish we could go swimming yeah. again. And, like, it, it just shows so much ignorance of, like, the, the issues that trans people face that yeah. cis women like turfy cis women would pick swimming as the place to go do these these like oh look at the dangers of trans people in gendered spaces protests because for so many trans people that's a thing that they don't do because they'll you know they won't have the benefit of the confidence of being an angry turf lady the other thing that i've thought a little bit with bit about regard regarding this is even not so much uh, with the, the trans people themselves, but the fact that, uh, with certainly with the swimming one in particular, they entered a uh, men's only uh, swimming thing. Now, I have to question what reason it was that that men's only swimming thing existed. <clears throat> are these men who are potentially uh, abuse survivors that uh, would have a problem uh, with uh, women entering that space? Well, indeed. This is, this is the old like um this is the old hypocrisy of this doing protests to try and make a point about like people in spaces there's these other people who go in oh if you let trans people in agendered spaces you're opening people up to like uh, like 
you're opening spaces up that might be for things like abuse survivors to, you know, being harassed. And yet these protests are explicitly that. They are deliberately going and harassing people in gendered spaces to prove a point. And it's like, you know, that's not how you make a point. You don't go and do a crime to then say, oh, look, that crime happens. I did it. Other people could. It happens. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the same tactics we saw for years with, uh, you know, trying to keep gay people out of toilets, trying to keep yep. people out of toilets on any kind of bounds you do in, or gender spaces on any bounds. It's yeah. inventing problems to try and scaremonger. Exactly. Oh, you know, it really bothers me, but I'm glad we. Oh, I'm same, glad, same. glad I got that out of my system. I needed a good yeah, friend yeah. about that. It's it's always good to that we you know we have each other to bounce these these issues off of. Oh, it's it's very mental. I very much appreciate our chats. I, I think it's very emotionally healthy that once a week we get our. Oh, stuff off our chest, what were annoying us. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it's been lovely having another chat with you, Larry. Uh, same time next week. Same time next week. Oh, it's good for me, Elf. It is. It's good for me, Elf. Yeah. See ya. See ya. So, that leaves me to ask the question. Do you need a bra? I do. Do you need a bra that will tell you something very serious in a cold but humorous manner? Yes. Snow joke bra. (laughs) Do you need a bra that will help heat the water up so that you can have a cup of tea? Definitely. Pop the kettle on bra. (laughs) Do you need a bra that will show you an image on either cup that will show you the most beautiful scenery from two different planets? Yes. Best of both worlds, brah. <laughs> Do you need a bra that will tell you whether the health of a root vegetable has improved or decreased? Yes. That beats sick, brah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a bra that will warn you of attacking soup-eating utensils and ask you if you want to go for a drink. Yeah. Come in spoons, bra. <laughs> Do you need a bra that tells you that the moon landing was fake and that Elvis Presley is living on an island somewhere? No. No, you don't need one <laughs> <Yes>. of those? <laughs> no, but do tell me what it is. <laughs> That's fake news, bra. Oh. Definitely don't need fake news, bruh. <laughs> Definitely don't need the fake news, bruh. I guess that's us <gasps> done. I am really starting to regret that, regret that second glass of wine. <laughs> anyway. Have you had a second glass what of are? wine? Where can we find you? Oh, what? You've had a second glass of wine, have you? I've had a second glass of wine. I had one with dinner and thought I'd just nip off and grab another one. I'm starting to regret it. <laughs> oh, the skits this week are going to be fun. Uh, did Did you ask one where I could be help. found this week, did you? I did ask where you could be found. You can me, find yes. me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. <laughs> Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. You can also find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk. Go check out the Kotaku UK uh, YouTube channel in order to see me doing an escape room themed around the game A Way mm-hmm. Out. You can also find me on Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition real play podcast. I am on seasons 3 and 4. Each season is a self-contained story. Go listen to that show. I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. I can be found as Maniac Janiac on Twitter and on YouTube. 
I'm um, as Jane Eris Magnets on SoundCloud, where you might be listening <gasps> to this. And I am somewhere else doing something else. I write things occasionally on stonemonkeyradio.blog. Check it out. Fantastic. And until next time, <laughs> be a stranger.